the Michael Anthony show has brought listeners to pinch yourself territory numerous times since the beginning of the broadcast, but this week, uh, this week is just unrealistic. Oh, this week's just stupid. As I got to experience perhaps the greatest privilege of my life, and that was sharing the microphones with Brian Robson, Captain Marvel. Anybody who supports Manchester United will not need an introduction. And anybody who doesn't support Manchester United shouldn't. They should be ashamed of themselves if they do. A man cited by some of the most influential voices in the beautiful game as the greatest they've seen, the greatest they've played against, the greatest they've played with, and most certainly the greatest they were led by. In any half-decent dictionary, the word midfielder is accompanied by a photo of a sweaty, focused, battered, and proud Brian Robson. The 20 years of glory recently experienced by Manchester United would not have been possible without this man. And many believe that his influence on the English game went far outside the four walls of the theatre of dreams. Ninety England caps. Brave, a man who believes in taking responsibility. Robson was it. And not just on the pitch, off the pitch. We're talking about a pretty superb man. A man who believes in honesty and also, and quite importantly, to the Michael Anthony show and his listeners, a man who likes to have a laugh. We had both ups and downs with the visit of Captain Marvel due to the fact that part of the episode, it's gone, it's wiped, due to the negligence of many people, and that includes myself, and I'll have to deal with that. I'll have to deal with that regret, that trauma, but I might just take the robo approach and learn from it. Often before an episode, I tell listeners to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, but on a week like this, I just don't think it's necessary. Or if you are going to do it, at least do it in a roundabout way like I've just done. A unique life, a human existence that not many of us could dream about, let alone live. And that is captured in upcoming documentary Robbo, releasing on November the 29th. I've seen it. And it's not just for football fans, it's for anyone who values art. And pride. I don't think we need to say anything more. Hope you enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen. Robo. He was respected. Very, very respected and loved. When you see him play, it's what a player. Without question, he was the best captain I ever had. I think it was quite clear from an early age what a talent he was. There was no one looked like they were representing that shirt better than him. When I got given the captain's armband, Manchester United fans saw the real Brian Robson play. As you see, the rest of history, it became a, a sensation going forward. For us youth team players, we were in awe of Robbo and everything that he did. You can see why people talk of him as the greatest captain for United and England. With Brian, you felt that's how I'd play if I had those gifts. And he was a captivating midfielder. And to be the leaders of the leaders. I think Brian was the leaders of the leaders. Die, no need to cry. Ah. 
episode 132 of the Michael Anthony Show. And with Manchester United obviously been close to the heart of this show and many of the listeners to this show, no better man to be talking to than Captain Marvel, Mr. Brian Robson. How are you? Uh, I might. Yeah, I find really it good just make sure to put put it a bit closer to the fucking sound on them isn't great. <laughs> I uh, I find it strange that obviously it was years ago, but they're the same feet that scored in FA Cup finals. You have the same bones and the same skin as the man who was once the best midfielder in English football, and sitting here, overweight, curly headed. I have to admit that I do feel highly inferior to you. <laughs> I don't know about that. My bones and all that. I, I think some of them are still there, but some of them are a bit creaky. <laughs> what is it like, though, to be an icon? That level of kind of status you achieved in the 80s and early 90s at Manchester United, working-class fans idolising a human being, Captain Marvel, do you think that's gone from football? They show up to the terraces, they stand and they sing, and it's like they're filling a void. And They pick characters like you, characters like George Best, who become their superheroes, so to speak. Why do you think it means so much to people? Because it is just kicking a ball into a net, isn't it? No, I think, you know, if you look at people, I'd like to think that people look at my career and, you know, the teams that I played for, whether it was England, Man United, West Brom, Middlesbrough, uh, I just give everything in a match. And, you know, if people appreciate that and they say, well, that's the way I would like to play the game, the way he... Brian Robson did, the, then that's great. But, uh, you know, when you say hero worship, you don't really get get that, um, you know, as a person because, you know, I'm just the same as everybody else. But does it affect you when you know that that many people idolise you or do you just crack on with your job? For me, you just crack on. You know, I, I enjoy my life. People are really friendly and courteous towards me. Uh, it's not very often throughout my career and even now that people are like dickheads towards you and that normally people are really polite and courteous towards you. You know the reputation you have amongst Reds, that being, it's nearly Stephen Gerrard-esque because it was a period of underachievement. Not underachievement, but you were the the biggest fish in a pond. Yeah, we were close. Yeah, but we didn't win the league when you were in your peak. We won the league under the Fergie years when you were no longer the Brian Robson that was Brian Robson. Do you wish that you were part of a golden era like the Ferguson one around the likes of Beckham and Giggs and all that? Are you glad that you represented United surviving in the 80s, the rebuild from the relegation in the 70s, the three FA Cups? Yeah, look... Would uh, you change it? You know, I enjoy, I enjoyed the 80s, the winning the FA Cups, that sort of thing, and then being part of the rebuilding process that Salix went through. Um, but I did mention it to me dad uh, once, why couldn't you kept it in your pants for maybe another 10 years, and I would have won a hell of a lot more. Yeah. But uh, that wasn't the case. But, uh, no, I, I mean, don't no regrets or anything like that. I enjoyed my career at United, and then, you know, even though I was coming towards the end of my career, I still felt a big part of winning, winning the title in 92, 93, and then being a big part of winning the double in, you know, 93, 94. When it's all said and done, like, you know, we talk about Shearer and what a player he was, and he could have won more if he went to United. Or the fact that a player like you, who was at one point probably the best central midfield player in the world, but you played at a United team and you dragged them, you dragged them to trophies. When you retire, do trophies matter, or is it just what your own career was? Because you know that we talk about Letitia, the Shearers. Oh, look, Nicky Butt's more decorated than you. Do you know what I'm saying? Nicky deserves, you, you know, what in terms of what a player you were. For me, you just a little bit unfortunate that you don't get into a squad of players like the class. And well, you know, everybody says the class of '92, but remember there was some fantastic players around the class of '92. Yeah. So the young lads like the the Nevs and Butty and Bex, Scolzi and that Giggsy, when they came through, so Alex did add class players to them to win things. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. like uh, I look back, Yap Stam, what a mm. player, mm. Um, and then you had Vidage and Ferdinand and. Rooney, people like that. So he he was always adding to that. Um, Yeah, I I mean, like, for me, I look back and, you know, from 91 
through to 94 when I left the club. I mean, for me, those set of lads were brilliant lads, um, you, you know, and they achieved a lot. And, and so I, I've got to say that I'm still quite happy. But, yeah, I mean, Alan Shearer, I've been on holiday, not with him, but met him on holiday in Portugal, had a few drinks with him on the beach and that sort of thing. And he says, no regrets of not joining United. And I go, Al, you would have had about 18 titles if you joined. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. You know, and Gaza was the same when he went to Tottenham. You know, I, I always say to Gaz, you should have joined United. Not because of Sir Alex's discipline with him. What I always said to Gaz, he would have been part of that 92, even though he was a bit older. Yeah. But all them lot would have got a hold of him and said, guys, you can't do that, you can't do this, you're playing for Man United. Would you rather, if you were Gaz in your team, if you were a gaffer? Me. Would you, yeah? <laughs> no, I've always said, like, Gaz is probably the best player I've played with. You know, in his peak from 90, 96, uh, in between that time, he was vying with Maradona, who was the best player in the world. If he had your he mentality, he would have been a Ballon d'Or winner. Definitely, Yeah. You know, he was he was that good. Is it weird to see when you look back at your day and all the boys and you were part of the kind of the the architecture of Manchester and you would have known fans and everybody loved the likes of you, the likes of Paul McGrath. Do you look at players now, it's a different sport. They don't know the fans anymore. There's no relatability. Boozing's gone. Boozing's an essential <laughs> part of footballing bonding, isn't it? Football's a microcosm of war, warriors, years ago. You go into battle together, you go to the pub after. Like when they were in Rome, or like yeah. they were at the Battle of Hastings, they went and they drank whatever they could get given to them, <laughs> and they shagged a load of women who were around them, and they had fun, and they bonded over it. Now they're robots, and they're on social media. Are you glad you're not a footballer nowadays? Yeah, if I had the time now, or the time in my days, I'd still pick. Even if you could get paid to, like, what would Brian Robson yeah. have been on? 300 grand a week if he was at United uh, I always said when when I left West Brom it wasn't particularly the money West Brom tried to stop me from signing for United because I said they'll match whatever Man United are offering me uh, but I said to them that it wasn't that I wanted to win things in my career and I was 24 at that time I got into the England team um, and I wanted to win things so it wasn't particularly the money because I knew I'd make decent money being a Man United player anyway mm. and being in the England team. Uh, so it gave me a good life anyway. It has given me a good life. Now they're making then, money that they'll never have to they'll never have to lift a finger again once they retire. Then, they just tweet and they get yeah, a Yeah, my, my wife always says to me now and again, like, you know, Brian, uh, just think you would have been on 500 grand a week now. Yeah. Um, and I go, yeah, you'd really enjoy spending that, wouldn't you? <laughs> <laughs> so you'd still go for back in the day of bonding and cultural relevance. Yeah, I would. An atmosphere. Uh, I mean, I think, yeah, you know, social media's got a lot to answer for. It's very good in certain aspects, but it's Is really it bad in others. It's just yeah. ruined the world, and it's ruined football. It, well, it's ruined the reputation of football because... People say you don't get characters anymore. Yeah. Well, you don't get characters because they get hammered. Well, if, back in your day, Harry Maguire, right? Harry's a good player. Would, I, I wouldn't mean, have gotten to the FA Cup final team of 85 or 83. And he's one of the most expensive players in the world. No, I, I tell you what, Harry Maguire is a better player than what people are giving him Is he better for. than Kevin Moore? He's, yeah, I think he probably is slightly better player than Kev. In what way? Harry's decent on the ball, uh, decent in the air. The the one thing, you know, he, he lacks a little bit of pace. That's the the one thing. If you if you could give him a fair bit of pace, he's a decent player. Look, I, I like the lad. Um, How would you I do Ma Maguire v. McGrath? He's Who made would you have there? I know McGrath. McGrath, uh, I, I'm not sure, but I think even it, it might have been me who, who started off calling him the Rolls-Royce. That Paul, started the Rolls-Royce centre-half kind of term. Paul was unbelievable. I mean... Was he as good as Ferdinand? Yeah. He was better, you're saying? He, 
Yeah, I think he probably was. And without the gargle, we're talking the best. We're talking Berezi. No, he was useless. Yeah, he was useless in drinking. <laughs> That's why we always had to put him, me and Norm and Gordon McQueen, and Kevin Moran, by the way, who never gets a mention, we used to have to put him in a taxi and get him home. So was he a lightweight <laughs> as opposed to... Like, what's the difference between an alcoholic and someone who loves a gargle? As somebody who's been involved in the football boozing scene, what's the difference between Georgie Best and you? Uh, that he can't you, stop. That you, yeah, you can't stop, and you get up next morning and you want to go on it again, and you drink spirits and everything and that. So somebody like myself from Whiteside, we we always and, and McQueen, we used to sort of drink a beer and drink a white wine. We we'd never hit a bottle of vodka yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. sort of thing, which the big man did. And then Gaza when he's had his problems, yeah. George. I mean. When I first came to United, I went out with George a few times uh, for a drink. He'd be on the vodka at 12 o'clock, uh, <laughs> lunchtime sort of thing. And you, go, you went on the piss Whoa. with Georgie Best, literally. Yeah, a few times. And I've did the women did the women flock around him in the business? No, because my missus and his missus were there at the time. <laughs> Georgie Best, though, uh, in terms of talent, not even worth talking about. The I most stupidly that. gifted footballer we've ever even heard of. Yeah, Gazza and him are just naturally gifted. You know, the things that they could do with a football, the balance that they had when they were taking people on and dribbling past them. Uh, you, you know, they, they were just fantastic players, the two of them. Um, you know, and for me, I always put George up there as one of the best players ever in the world. That that drinking scene of the United of the 80s, you, Whiteside, McGrath, is it overrated because Ferguson's talked about the clean-out and now it's become a story, or was it actually key to the bonding of Manchester United in the 1980s? How important was having a drink? Because it makes you flesh out issues, doesn't it? It makes you, tell, it makes you say shit you wouldn't say. Yeah, it, it does, but it's overrated the way the media said because the media sort of built it up as if, mm. if, as if we did it like two, three times as a week. As if Fergie walked into Mo's Tavern and, and yeah, turned it into a football club. Yeah, no, it was, yeah, you know, we'd do that maybe it's four times in the season where we'd all go out together, have a good drink, where it was well away from a football match. Was it not every weekend? No. You wouldn't go out every weekend, have 20 beers, take the hangover and... And crack on the train on the Monday. No, not every week. <laughs> well, do you get hungover? No, I don't. My generation complain would. a lot, though, about things like anxiety, things like hangovers. You boys from Northern England who used to break your leg four times and still play, do you laugh at the likes of us? Do you think the world's gone soft? I think sometimes it's soft when you're sure uh, that you're hungover, and then sometimes you get man flu. Uh, that sort of thing Yeah And uh, no that's not on my agenda Do you just say one. hair of the dog Or do you say just English breakfast And crack on Hair of the dog He couldn't spot danger He didn't see danger You're four or five the next day Well just have a couple And it just gets you going again Do you still drink a lot? I don't drink as much as what I used to But you know I still like uh, a good drink uh, But I'm a lot more sensible about it Because of my age uh, you just calm down a bit when you get older and you've got grandkids. Now and again, I, I still meet up with Big Norm. I mean, only last weekend we did a dinner together at Warrington Rugby Club. Uh, so, well, it was a lunch. We had a lunch, uh, but we kicked on till 11 o'clock at night. and that, So you, you still have your moments. Without the gargle, that side of Wilkins, Robson, Whiteside, McGrath, league title. If Ron Atkins had come in and go, just ahead of his time, he goes, we do not drink, would you guys have been champions of England? No, because I look at when I when I was playing with England, I went out with the Liverpool lads, and Phil Thompson, Phil Neal, Alan Kennedy, Terry McDermott, uh, all those lads could drink as much as the United lads, and the Liverpool lads used to go out and do exactly the same. But they were winning titles, so they never really got a mention. Was it a mentality thing? Because Liverpool were so dominant and they'd won so many in the years leading up. Why every time? Like, there was good seasons under Atkinson. You're in title races and you're dropping off. 
Is it a mentality thing, or what? What was it that Ferguson made the difference to Atkinson? Because United were competitive in your day. Yeah, I think the squad, uh, the depth of squad. Uh, I didn't think under Ron uh, it was as good as under Salix. Um You know, so as soon as we got, it, I mean, like the the year eighty five when we got off to such a great start, won the first ten games. Mm. You know, ten games remember, losing it from there is a John Gidman. John Gidman broke his leg, uh, then struck, dislocated his shoulder, and was out for a long time uh, at West Brom. Uh, I ripped my hamstring and was out for eight weeks uh, against Turkey at Wembley. Um, big Paul had a big problem with his knee again, and he was out for months. And so you take four players like that out of that team. And it's going to make a big difference. And I just think that the people that Ron had to come in and replace those players, um, you know, just weren't quite good enough to continue that run and let us go on to win the title. How did you used to return from injury so quickly? Just been hard. Did you used to play through pain? Yeah, sometimes you did because you you could see that was an important game, uh, you know, and you maybe it's not. 100% fit but you'd want to play it unless it's some if it's a muscle tear or anything like that you, you know you can't come back but if you've maybe twisted your ankle a bit or you've got a really bad you know bruise on your bones uh, yeah you play when you you feel uncomfortable but uh, you get through it if you look at the start of your managerial career after you leave United as one of the greatest midfielders the English game has ever seen. 90 England caps in your day, by the way. It's it's not even, it's just stupid. 26 goals from midfield. Had everything as a player. You go into management, two promotions, three major finals with Borough. We talk about Poch getting the United job. And we talk about his achievements at Southampton. And, and I'm behind Poch. I think he's a top gaffer. But if we look at your start in management, three major finals, one FA Cup, two League Cup finals, and two promotions, that's 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 Mourinho shit. That's Avrigosaki stuff. That's your first manager job. You leave in 01. Why is your manager? No, I really I really enjoyed uh, my role as a manager. Uh, but after so many years where you don't feel as if you're going to get a top job, it sort of disheartens you because I, I know from working with England under Terry Venables, I knew I could work with top players, and that's what I wanted. Do you reckon you're in a similar boat to Roy Keane, that the reason you're not at the top table of management now is because you can't deal with poor players? They frustrate you too much. No, it's not that I can't deal with it. I just, after 12 years, I don't want the hassle of doing the media every day Getting stick because you, you haven't take, got the wage bill yeah. to bring in decent well, Why did you players? take that break after Borough? Surely you were unbelievably sought after. You got to three major finals and two promotions with Middlesbrough Football Club. No, I, I wasn't really sought after. Um, you know, I took uh, the Bradford job, um, you know, for a year because I wasn't getting offered anything else. How? Then West Brom, I... Uh, yeah, you know, I took the West Brom job when they were bottom of the league, and that's why we the got great escape, the yeah. great escape. Uh, you know, so those were the type of jobs in the championship I was getting offered. But, but why do you no think you weren't getting the top jobs if that was your record at Borough? Well, because of the media, because I, I can always remember when I first went into Borough, uh, the media was saying, uh, yeah, you know, Sir Bobby Charlton, Bobby Moore, they never made. In, yeah, in that was management. a thing. Yeah, that was a thing. Then. And so they were saying that before I'd even got into the job. That was the the narrative back then that English greats aren't going to translate into great managers. Yeah. It still mildly exists today, but it's calmed down. That's why we see Lampard and get these opportunities. That went over twenty years, though. Yeah. So when I went into Berry, like like you say, I mean, I mean, the great thing for me was that uh, we get promoted first season. And then Steve Gibson, because of the new stadium, and we got 30,000 sellout crowds every week. All of a sudden, he he gave me some money, and so I could bring people like Juninho or Ravinelli Emerson in. Ravinelli was an unbelievable sign. But then that's a little bit like what you were saying about the 85. It was a disgrace losing out on the 
on the title when we'd won our first 10 games. Uh, but Borough at that time was a bit like United at that time, as far as I see it. The first 11 players that I played at Borough were top draw. Yeah. And that's why we got the two cup finals yeah. in the one year. Um, unfortunately, got deducted three points, which for me is still a disgrace. That's why you went down. Yeah. Um, because if I hadn't have gone down, I could have kept those players and added to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's what Steve Gibson believed in as well. But the the lad, the three foreign lads, they wanted to leave because they wanted to get into the national team and they're saying playing in the championship, yeah. that was going to hinder that. So that's why I always say probably my best season, not the two cup finals and getting relegated, that year when we got relegated, the promotion. I brought Andy Townsend, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. you know Paul Merson. Merson yeah. They they came in, uh, Neil Madison, to replace the three lads who I lost, and we get promoted, and we go to a cup final. That performance that was, season, that's the, yeah. as a second tier team to get to a league cup final. Yeah, that was yeah. brilliant achievement by the players. Did you outright reject the England job? Were you offered it? Yeah, I, I mean. Because you had too much respect for the position. You're, you're looking at Alf Ramsey, you're looking at Bobby Robson, you're looking at Terry Venables going before you, and you're saying, I don't have the experience, want to learn at club level. But having seen someone like Southgate do the opposite and take the job, do you wish you just fucking went with it? Because Glenn Hoddle, yeah, yeah. Glenn Hoddle didn't have much experience. Well, that's he was right. a player gaffer too. Yeah, and Glenn, and Glenn took it at that time. Yeah, uh, But that, that's why I've said you know, in the past that that's probably my worst decision because... Jimmy Armfield came to my house, interviewed me, uh, said, look, I'm going to recommend, and I just said, no, Jim, I've only had two years in management. I want a lot more experience if I'm going to be England manager. But, but you had it. You you could have become England manager for the 98 Yeah, that, that's the only decision. When I look back, I should have said yes. How close were you to the Ireland job when McCarthy got sacked? And that would mean a lot to our listeners because Brian Kerr came in and you're yeah. one of the names linked with it. Did you yeah. meet with who? Did you meet? Did you meet with John Delaney? Delaney, yeah. What'd you make of John Delaney? And yeah, he was a good guy. And you, know, you know about his re- you know about his reputation in Ireland. Yeah, <laughs> basically a joke character. Yeah. But I, I met him and a couple of the uh, board uh, from the Irish FA. So I met them. We call it the FAI. Our, uh, us yeah. Republican bastards were quite strict on that. There's no FA. <laughs> FAI. Uh, so, yeah, I met them. And so Alex actually phoned me and he said, by the way, he says, I think you've, you, you've got the job. And so I was gobsmacked a couple of days later when it came out that Brian Kerr had got yeah. it. But, yeah, I mean, at that time, I, like, I was really interested uh because I, I could see what the, the, the Irish squad was at that time, and there were some really good young players coming through at, at that stage. Uh, would Sir Alex be involved in that? Would he be throwing his weight around? Because he's the most powerful guy in football. Would he be ringing the FA going, yeah, the robo needs a job? No, I, I don't think he'd actually phone them. I think somebody maybe told Sir Alex, but I, I think what they would have done, John Delaney especially, probably would have phoned Salix and said, look, I'm thinking of Brian Robson. What do you think? And and I think then the boss would tell his opinion. But I mean, I went down uh, to Roy Keane's house and I had a word with Keeney. And I was saying, look, if I get this job, will you come back into into the squad? Yeah. Um, you know, and so me and Roy, he said, look, Brian, he says, if you get it, I'll think about it and, yeah, you know, seriously think about it. Uh, so I had that conversation with Roy because I thought I had a real chance of getting a job, but unfortunately it didn't happen. That would have been a unbelievable time post kind of Borough to come back in and ma- manage the Irish national team because Northern England people, they resonate with Irish society. It would have been like Jackie Charlton well, too. I was going to say Jack did a great job. You could still be there now nearly. <laughs> and then uh, Kerr goes in He has a tough draw Because they lost the first two games of the group And then he goes in He doesn't get there Then he doesn't qualify for the, And then fucking Steve Staunton comes in Did you apply again after Kerr got sacked? No Why? One's bitten twice shy In terms of current United Are you an ambassador for Manchester United now? Yeah I mean my role Is to work with the sponsors 
do that type of thing, MUTV, uh, which I really enjoy. So you're not really allowed to fully comment on the way the clubs ran? No. No? No, I have no decisions. So like your real opinion's impossible to kind of tell to the listeners, obviously. Obviously, you're employed with the club, there's nothing you can say. Uh, look, anybody at the football club, whether it's on the players' Do you think staff, the club was ran right? Um Yes, business-wise. From a football point of view. Uh, no. Very good. Uh, football football point of view, I think we maybe could have sort of looked at uh, maybe a little bit more help the, than what we actually have done. I think, and this isn't you saying it, this is me saying it to the listeners, I think that Oli Gunnar Solskjaer was actually set up, and I feel bad for him. Look, I, 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 I feel think he was bit- a puppet. I think he was a puppet. And I think they used them to appease the fans so they couldn't get criticised for another bad managerial appointment. And they put a guy into a role who didn't have the capability to do it. And I feel bad for Oli. I feel bad for Oli. I think from where the club was when Oli joined, I, I think he did a fairly good job at building the squad up. But he has less points per game than Mourinho. Uh, he has less trophies. Like, did, 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 did we really improve? I know we have a better squad, but that's just money, isn't it? The atmosphere around the training ground and everything I- improved. Um, Not based on you performance. Know, so that's good. But Look at that Watford performance. What would you look, have done if you were in midfield? Know, I, what would uh, you have done if you were in midfield and you saw Victor Lindelof put his hands away? Look, you look, would have punched the shit out of him. Look, look that's, that's what I'm saying. It, sort of like the, the last two years, I thought we were building the right way. I mean, the semi-finals that we got beat in last year... Getting to the Europa final, That's unfortunately. Not a Manchester United game, Brian. Finishing second uh, in the league. And then you get Sancho, Ronaldo, Varane, and you're thinking, whoa, we, we've got a real chance this season. Now, all of a sudden, you see from Leicester game up to. I think a lot of us would have known up from, to the, the, from the start of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer having the job. And I think a lot of great football men. Uh, would have known the same thing. I think Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, Molde, Cardiff, tactically, and from a man management point of view, he hasn't shown anything to suggest he deserved the Manchester United job. And when you sack someone like Mourinho and the club so viral on Twitter and Facebook and everyone's criticising Woodward and Richard Arnold and these guys, the best bet is put in a hero, put in a guy who put the ball in the German's net who no one's going to criticise so you can take the pressure off yourself. So you can make sure that everyone thinks that you care about the fans, but knowing that you don't have a guy who's right for the job. And the reason Mourinho was sacked, I believe, is because I think Jose Mourinho, as much as we... You had a tiff at Mourinho in that Chelsea-West Brom game years ago. He's an arrogant fucker, and he's handsome, and he's annoying, and he's brilliant. But he's very arrogant, and he's very dislikable in certain ways, but he's a top football manager. And oh, he yeah, wanted more. That. He wanted more from United in the summer of 2018, and they didn't back him. The, the board didn't back him because he was anti... For example, Paul Pogba's been at the club five years. He was bought for a huge fee. We all say he's the best midfielder in the world. He's an insult to Remy Moses. Based on performance, what has Pogba done in the United shirt that suggests he's better than Jordi Cruyff? <laughs> Nothing. No, that's, he hasn't uh, performed in five years, Brian. You that, know that, Captain. That, that That's you... Uh, Talking there, not me. I know it's me, <laughs> but that's my. I, I don't think Paul Pogba is. Uh, he he's a great player, talent wise, but with the agent he currently has, who Ferguson has called a shit house in a meeting with Sale rugby players, who Ferguson got rid of because he was clearly quite aware of the danger this guy presented with his agent. He's someone who the club shouldn't have, and it's all name, it's all social media. What has he done on the pitch to justify still playing? Nothing. And Mourinho dropped them. Mourinho was anti the commercialisation ahead of on-field achievement, and he stood up to the board, and we fucked them out. So they got in Ali, and they could control him, yeah, and but, it was brilliant. But the thing is, though, that you're pro Mourinho. I'm not pro Mourinho, I'm pro football ahead of commercial ideas. For, the fa- for us winning trophies, I don't think Mourinho got sacked because performances or he lost the dressing room I think before that in the summer of 18 the board decided he's a threat to us and he wants to win trophies ahead of us selling out stadiums in Asia and ahead of us having the most followed tweets in the world and that's the problem with Manchester United it isn't ran from a football point of view and I it's sad that the likes of you and you look at the class of 92 and even look with look at people like Fergie we've no control over it the minute we won the treble United became the first business in football. 
and the fans will never have control. We have accountants and bankers making decisions at a club, and we watch people like Liverpool lift trophies over our head. When we were in a position of winning 13 leagues before they'd won their last one, and they're more likely to win their next before we win another one, and they've won one since we've won one. It's, it's a, from a fan point of view, it's very hard to take. Yeah, I agree. Hey, I'm a fan. Of United or Newcastle? Of, of United. Um, you know, and whoa, the, the last sort of six weeks has been a hard watch. Um, you know, so that's why I think everybody knew and even Ollie knew something had to be changed. Um, but, you know, the, they don't the, care the, the though, players, right? I was going to say, it, the, the players' attitude's got to uh, change because just going back to the Watford game, I mean, bouncing balls and just endeavour was not they're, there. They're clearly not trying on purpose. You watch that I game as an expert. But you watch the game as an expert. Yeah, but you're telling me when you watch that game that they're putting it in, that they're putting their body on the line, or they're just disillusioned with no, what they're mentality. No, they didn't. Yeah, they, they didn't put the body on the line because nobody won a fifty-fifty ball. Exactly. Nobody won a bouncing ball, and that's not trying, though, isn't it? That's not trying. Yeah, well, say I just can't see where players don't uh, or or being accused of that. Because I just think every footballer, when you go out on the pitch, you try your best and you, you want to win every game that you play. But this generation know <laughs> the power they have. They, they have an unbelievable amount of power. And they can shift off responsibility and shift off blame onto a management team like they did with Mourinho. And like they've now done with Solskjaer. And they say, I'm not going to pick up my man off a corner. And it means I have a new boss. And if I have a new boss, I can start again. Maguire's under the microscope. Everyone going, he's not a Man United player. But now he's a new gaffer. He starts again. No, well, I, I disagree with everybody on that one. Um, you know, Harry's had uh, sort of a bad couple of games um, and everybody's picking him up on it. Um, I, I think he's a top centre-half and so I'll, I'll argue all day with her. What do you make of the return of Ronaldo? Yeah, I, I thought it, it looked an, an obvious one. You know, he's still a great player. Um, you know, you were, you were hoping that the young boys would take things off the training ground of what he does, how he prepares himself, and, and just take the plus points out of Ronaldo. And he's done his job. He's scored goals, um, you know, really important goals, great goals. and that's, So he's done his job. It's the other boys who haven't done the job. But is it weird to work in a business in which so many people have an opinion on because you work on TV in front of everybody once a week. For example, like if you're an accountant, a banker, a lawyer, a doctor, responsible for your own career, but you're now answerable to things you were associated with years after you've been involved. Uh, you know, as, as a player or as a manager, you're always scrutinised. Uh, that's all. That's always going to be the case. But this one's so obvious, isn't it? Like you, you scrutinise yourself fairly. You didn't take the England job because you didn't think you had the experience. Even thirty years ago, you guys were up for the media abuse to an extent because, in ways, it was fair. Although it was sensationalist, it was fair. But now we're looking at Fergie leaves a team of world class players win the league by eleven points. We haven't been in the title race since. Quite clearly, the club has been misran. To an unprecedented extent From an on-pitch point of view It's probably the greatest mismanagement Of a sports team Including America, NBA, NFL, all that stuff In the history of sport I think the, the one thing When you look back Is people didn't realise How good Sir Alex And how good David Gill was um, But in terms of what we spend now though We have no, the highest wages no, in world said, sport I, I just think that their vast experience could have been used that little bit better around the club. But this is just stupid. Because with that level of quality you're talking about, Varane, Fernandez, Ronaldo, Shaw, Greenwood, that's just giving them a kick up the arse. You can beat Watford. You can beat Villa and Everton at home. You don't need Pep Guardiola or Sir Alex Ferguson or Brian Clough. No, Michael, we were, we were talking earlier. How can those players go... Well, was it 30 
Premier League games without getting beat away from home and then go and put a performance on like that against we, Watford. If you look at the context, though, there's penal- penalties played a huge role in that. Fortunate decisions and penalties that made it 1-0. Penalties yeah, otherwise that broke it could have been four. No, I don't <laughs> think so. I think a, cha- a lot of games... Solskjaer got very fortunate with decisions. And football is a lot about luck. And he was on the right side of it throughout a lot of his United career. Also, isn't a way day in a way day, you tell me, because I've never played a professional football game, without a crowd, is it? Yeah, true. Isn't a way day? No, that, that's right. I, I mean, people were scoring against us in the first half and we kept coming back in the second exactly, half. Exactly, because it was you, a training game. Yeah, you don't do that. Not, uh, not when, when Goodison Park's telling you you're a prick. You yeah, know, yeah. It's not happening. Uh, well, it's just the atmosphere which keeps the home team going and it gives them something to play for. If you could make a prediction on the next five years of Manchester United, are we going to be back competitive in semi-finals of the European Cup? Are we going to be winning leagues? We should be because you you look at the money that we spent on players, but the the money that we we pay in wages. So what we have to do now is you know Michael's in charge, um, oh, and so no, we're not saying that no, he's not no, in charge. He's yeah, standing in. Yeah, well that that's what caretaker managers always do. You know, he's standing in and hopefully he can get some good results to at least keep us in the championship. Hopefully he's league. not there for more than two games. But but what? Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. What the club have to do is, whether it, the owners and the directors, whoever they want advice from and that, they've got to get a plan, right, and they've got to get the right man in who hopefully can have longevity within the job because it it's like you're saying, you know, since Salix, it was an unbelievable hard task to follow. Uh you know, Ollie's been our longest-serving manager since since Alex. So, uh, but he hasn't won any won anything. And so, this is what we need now. We need somebody who's got the experience. And you see, the, you, you've done your bit. You've lifted the FA Cup numerous times, three times, most ever. You've a scar over your eyebrow. You're Brian Robson, your Captain Marvel. You will you'll die a happy man. But for some of us, the club is over and we have no control. As long as we have owners who do not know or give a shit about Manchester United winning a league, none of this is even really worth discussing. If you think about the amount of wasted media on topics like Manchester United, when none of us have control because we have non-footballing men making decisions. If you're given the biggest wage budget and you're given the biggest transfer budget in the world, yeah, you should Stuart be McCall... We'll get you a trophy in the top four finish. That's not an achievement. Well, he can fall off a car. <laughs> <laughs> That's the funniest no. thing I've ever seen oh, in football. The, the that Bradford video. <laughs> but you know what I mean, uh, Skipper? It's, it's, it's quite simple. We're overcomplicating issues here. Well, yep. if, if we were talking about the New York Yankees and I had a New York accent now when you were fucking no, look, I, I, Babe Ruth or Derek Jeter, I'm, I, we're, we're speaking facts here. The club is being ran disgracefully. Why can't we throw our voices in? Why can't we just start? Come on. We'll get it back. They'll start giving football men the positions they deserve. Brian Robson thinks Manchester United's footballing running disgrace. Can we just quote that? <laughs> we need it. No, you can't. Listen, what, uh, I, I'm not going to sit on the fence because... I used when I was at West Brom, I used to plead with the chairman, give me, give me a bigger weird structure so that I don't have to keep fighting relegation. You give me a big, a bigger weird structure, and hopefully I can get you into the middle of the table. But then it's up to me because you've given me a far bigger uh, structure to work with to bring better players in. So. When you're working at Manchester United as manager and whoever you're working with, you, you know, your chief exec, whatever, or your director of football, whatever it is in football now. Now, if I'm on the biggest in the league as a wage structure and I've spent more money than anybody else, well, if I don't win something, I'm going to hold my hands up and go, Why did I'm they keep Saucer on that job for so long when they knew he couldn't do it? Because Ollie was a, l- a little bit unfortunate um, in some of, in some of the games, not not really unfortunate. We just didn't perform, and we maybe should have been a little bit better. But Ollie isn't the top manager. Seville, uh, when we got beat in the yeah, semi final, Europa League, yeah, yeah, 
I, I mean, we should have won that game. You yeah, uh, were talking about Ali Gunnar Solskjaer. Why was he given so much time? Because he was very close to winning something. No, I mean, I last year, Villarreal. I, I mean, winning. really, Man United should win that game. Yeah, but I think Solskjaer was kept in there because it was there was there was no problem for the owners. You had a sector of fans backing him, and then he had a sector of people saying "Ale out" who were accused of not being true Reds, uh, accused of not loving a legend, and they could sit on the fence and not be responsible for their decision to give a guy. I think ninety percent. You have a better managerial CV than Ole Gunnar Solskjaer now, but now even with time passing, two leagues with Molda and a relegation with Cardiff. Three major finals with Borough and two promotions. Even with time passing, he exceeds that. If they had gone, Brian Robson gets the United job permanently in 2018 or 2019, I would have been less angry. It's tragic. It's real sad. I just wish Busby could, um, could look down with his kind of socialist cap on and go, sometimes football is bigger. And sometimes winning that argument about what club is better with a Liverpool fan or City fan in a bar exceeds a bit of cash and a bit of commercial viability. Like, I mean, you can understand from a fan point of view. We're, yeah, disc- no, I, we're I, a disgrace, Robert. No, look, I, I can. I can see where where the fans are coming from, especially like, like we're seeing over the last six weeks, the performances have been really poor from the players. And there's no real excuse, no matter what the manager or the staff were doing on the training pitch. Some of the performances were really, really poor, and the lads have got to have a good look at themselves. If I give you my all-time United eleven, can you correct it where I'm wrong? Go on. So, Edwin van der Sar. Schmeichel. Why? Uh, Peter was more aggressive. I'd argue van der Sar was better with his feet, as good a shot stopper, and as much of a communicator as Schmeichel was. Schmeichel's a United great. But Van der Sar in between the sticks. I mean, what 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 could you really replace? Uh, hey, there? look, the two of them were very close. But yeah, you've gone Van der Sar. I'd go Schmeichel. Are we agreeing on Irwin uh, as a right back? I go left. Well, who are you putting in? Ever? See, that's what I mean. Yeah, ever you said. Well, you just want to get Gary Neville out like everyone does. So you're putting Irwin right <laughs> back. No, and Neville, left Neville back. was a very good player, but I think I've got a better left back than Gary Neville as a right back. That's why I put Den, because I think Den's the best fullback has played for United. Could he have been as good at right back as he was at left back? Yeah, definitely. Den could play anywhere. Um, yeah, so who's your right back then? I would have gone Neville, but if we're, I, I'd do the Ever Irwin thing if we're leaving Neville out. I, I feel like Ever, I feel like Neville gets hard done by because right, he's kind so of healthy. If, if we go on to left back, Tony Dunn. Patrice Ever though. No, nah, Tony Dunn was a better player. Ever was so... Because of your age, well, I didn't see much of him, but uh, what I did see of him, and then you talk to people like Dennis Law and Paddy Crower and Sir Bobby, um, you talk to them and Tony Dunn was... So we're going, top, we're top going Dunn and Irwin, and obviously yeah. I'm listening to you out of me. Centre-backs, so, I'm going for... Uh, again, it's going to seem like it's modern. I'm going Ferdinand Stam. Say I'm going McGrath-Stam. For United performances, though, I mean, Ferdinand has multiple leagues to his name in the European Cup. McGrath won PFA Player of the Year at Villa. But, I, 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 it's very, very close. I mean... We're going to have to go Rio, Rio just for professionalism. Rio, yeah, Rio is a top player. Go Ferdinand-Stam. Okay. Um... So goals, are, we, are, are we playing four four two? This this what we'll figure it out as we as we go through the eleven. I, I'm just going to say, and with respect to you and everyone else, I don't think Paul Skulls can be left out. He can't be left out. Skulls can't be left out. You don't want Skulls in this team, do you? Skulls no, has I, to be I, in I, the I team. I can't pick myself. Well, you're going to have to be in the conversation. But well, Skulls better than you. He didn't do as much. He wasn't as box to box. I, I don't think so, but a few people might say From yes. From a technical point of view, though, was he not? You were energetic, box to box, had everything, never gave up, scored goals. But the, was he uh, not scores, savant? He was a class player. A class player, but. Um, For me, the question's always been Keen v. Robson in, the, in that conversation. It's always been Skulls is there. And then is is a Keane or Robson? You're saying that well, let, you were let, both better. Let, than let, let's let, let's just get the balance of the team. So we we've agreed we're going to go four four two. So who's your right winger? Georgie Best. 
Georgie Best, right winger. Yeah, or left winger. So who's him, your left winger? Him and Ronaldo can swap. All right. Oh, there you go then. So that's that's what I was going to say. Ronaldo's on the right for me. Best is on the left. Yeah, they, they can. So, but they'll switch throughout the game. So there's your two wide wide players. So who who are you playing the two central ones in your midfield? For me, it was always either Skulls and Robson or Skulls and Kane. And by the way, Charlton's not so, in my conversation. Uh, I was going to say he's so. So Bobby doesn't get in your team. He's not. I know it sounds crazy. He's not though because I play. I play either Rooney off Law or Cantona off Law, and I swap it depending on what mood I'm in. There you go. Well, I agree with that because Law and Rooney would be oh my, my two forwards. Yeah. So I agree with you on that one, but mine would be Sir Bobby and Keeney. Really? Because I need the defensive. I need the defensive one. But does Skulls and Keane not provide that now? But Bobby would score more goals. What about Skulls Robson? Oh yeah, we we'd match them. Yeah, me and Skullsy together would match the Bobby and Keeney. Well, hey, what a team! You're leaving Eric Cantona out of that. Yeah, Eric would always get on me bench. He wouldn't be great off the bench though. Be so, too moody. So would Giggsy. <laughs> what was it like playing against Diego Maradona? Because you, uh, you showed up and he scored two goals and you overturned an aggregate two 0 deficit to win three 0 Did you just not give a shit who he was? Yeah, the f- the few times I played against Maradona, we we got good results. Um, you know, even the rest of the world when he played for them against uh, the uh, British team. Gary Lineker says good. if you stayed fit in either eighty six or ninety, you would have won one of those World Cups. If Brian had stayed fit in eighty six and ninety. We'd have won one. I think 86 could have been uh, really difficult because, you know, there's only Germany who's ever gone there. Where were you when Maradona scored the two against England? Cause oh, he, cause I you was sitting on the bench with me shoulder in a sling, <laughs> uh, unfortunately. Did you know it was handball straight away? Yeah. Yeah, even from the bench. You, Did you, you find it funny at all? No. No, I didn't find it one little bit funny. What you make uh, of his goal after that, though? Ah, uh, yeah, the goal after that was... Unbelievable, and then his goal in the semi-final against Belgium was unbelievable. I, I mean, I've got to say, for me, the best player ever in, in the world because of the physical side of it was Pele, because people could kick lumps off. Is him Messi not time. the best ever? Nah, Pele for me, uh, best ever. And then Maradona is like probably the best, the, the best after that. What about what Messi's done though? Because I understand the kind of old school approach of when you mix everything in, the fact they were getting kicked and all, but his goal record mixed with his ability at the highest level. Well, you've got another argument there, don't the you? World Cup Who, Who's the best, Messi or Ronaldo? I, I don't even think that's an argument though, do you? What, you think Messi? Messi, obviously. I, think, I don't think that's, that's fact, isn't it? Well, as, as players, as individuals, Messi scores more goals per game based on his career than Ronaldo. And Ronaldo's known as a great goal scorer, and he does everything else. There you go. See, you've looked up on your facts. I, I, I don't know how many they've scored. <laughs> These are great arguments, and, and this is like a pub argument, even though the two of us are on coffee at the moment. <laughs> but, but that's what's great about football. You know, you'll always get fans with different opinions and chatting about it, and and. You know, they're really interested in, and they're interested in other people's opinions and everything as well. That's what makes football great. Who do you think wins the league this year? Win the league. Yeah. Uh, right at the start of the season, the mate of mine, who's a big Man City fan, um, he went, if you had a thousand pound and you had to put it on, who would you put it on? And I said, Chelsea. And that's not because they're in front at the moment. Just when you looked at the way they were organised, big, strong team. Got a good depth of squad, yeah. You know, good I, gaffer, I, I just think, which matters. Yeah, the manager's very good. Um, the way he gets them organised, um, you know. So I said Chelsea, and I w- what I've seen so far this season, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go against them. What do you make of Wayne Rooney's managerial career? At I Derby. think he's done an unbelievable job at Derby because real. Look, like when I was at Bradford, I went into administration, or the club did, just as we got out the bottom four. And it was a nightmare. Players going on uh, sort of half the wages. Um, loan players having to go back to the clubs that you borrowed them from. Uh, and then a couple of players being sold, your best young players being sold. 
it's a nightmare job. So Wayne has had to get free transfers, people on loan, and he's put them together. And when the players know they're so far adrift, to actually get them back to no points now is is a great job that he's Do you doing. you know Wayne Rooney? If you saw him in a Starbucks, would you stop and have a conversation in the queue? Yeah, me and Wayne got on really well, you know, when he was at the club. What about Ronaldo? I, I'll tell you something about Ronaldo. Uh, and this is when Salix was uh, the boss and he, he'd come to the club and everything. I The the boss always invited me, so any time I didn't have any work on, I'd go in the morning for something to do, watch the lads train and everything. Ronaldo would be the first one, walk over, morning, how are you? Big grin on his face and everything, so polite. He was like that every morning. Would he know about the Captain Marvel era, though? Would he know what you represented for the club in the 80s and all? Do you reckon he knows the history, man? You know? Yeah, top top players, the study, the game and all that sort of thing. I can always... Um, uh, Jesus. Well, what's a lad who came from Monaco with a... Marshall? Uh, no, no. Um, top centre forward. We we only had him Falco. on loan. Falco, right? Falco. First first year, I went on the training pitch. Um, I'm standing there, and the boss had invited me. Um, and anyway, Van Gaal. Yeah. Did you know Louis? Yeah. yeah he, he just said, "Good gaffer, good man." Yeah. He, he always said to me, "I know what Alex used to do, Brian. You can come watch training whenever. Yeah. You, it'll be nice to see you." Falco, he he came across to me straight away, and I went, "Hi, Brian Robson." And he went, "You don't need to tell me who you are." He says, oh, yeah. I, "I know." He says, "I've seen you play." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and he would do. You know, so players like that, they they do study the game. Mo- most of the top players study the game, and they know who everybody is. We're sitting here on Tuesday, whatever, twenty third November. It's it's probably it's pr- looking like it's going to be Pochettino. They're all hypothetical. When, they are all when, when they make. I don't even know where we're at. Um, yeah, so <clears throat> for the listeners who are listening, me and Brian Robson are sitting in a booth in Manchester one on one, and the last 30 minutes of the show were just deleted due to the negligence of the staff. In if I had the name of the building, I'd fucking say it. <laughs> um, absolutely gutted. We were really getting into it there. So yeah, you might find it. You never know. You How do you deal with disappointment as an athlete? I mean, you're someone who's been under the cosh. I know that you'll only view this as radio, but that being deleted, that second half an hour is the equivalent of someone taking my England cap away from me. Think about you, it. You literally start this in your bedroom. That's what you do. You you put a yeah. microphone to a laptop, and then after a certain amount of time, you end up sitting across from Brian Robson. You I talked to him, and half an hour of it is gone. The evidence is wiped. Rowcaster turned off. And you're sitting opposite me. What's your advice? Uh, advice is what Alex used to say to us. If we got beat at the weekend, we come in the next day, assess why we got beat, and he go, now we'll go out training. And you can't do anything about that. He says, you've got to do what's in front of you. And that's what you've got to do. Don't keep looking back at disappointment. Look mm. forward and make sure you don't get the disappointment again. What do you think so happened with the machine, next, though? Your next interview with whoever you're going to interview after me is you've just got to make sure. But have you ever seen disappointment like that? You've seen a lot of things. You've seen teams go down. Have you ever seen a machine switch off when a guy was talking to a childhood hero? I, I can actually that's, say that's, that you're devastated about yeah. it. And... I've got to say to all your viewers that I'm amazed what the fuck happened with that machine <laughs> because it did just totally, every, every light on it just went out. And yet, yeah, we've got the first 32 minutes. First 32 minutes we've got, But the second 30 minutes that we were on to has just disappeared. So I, I am just hoping by the time you get back to your listeners... You will actually find that 30 minutes I don't think that we, will. we lost. I don't think we will find them. That's the thing. And if we don't, we've got to move forward. Do you dislike yeah, Liverpool Football Club? Uh, no, I don't like... Uh, Do you I hate don't dis, I don't dislike 
No, I'm a, but, I'm a Geordie, not a Mank. Yeah, but there's Reds out there who've adopted you as a Mank, as but, their captain, as their skipper. They, no, they, they rest easy at the thought of you hating Scousers. Do you at, hate Scousers? Look, uh, Liverpool, I don't want them to do well when Man United aren't doing well. Um, you know, I, I'll always be biased towards Man United. But I, I've got a lot of ex-Liverpool players who, who are good friends. And so I've got nothing against those lads. And what I say is, if you're winning things and you're playing well, you deserve it. And because they they've worked hard to get where they are, what we need to do is work hard to make sure that they don't surpass us in trophies that that we win as two big clubs, um, and not just Liverpool, City as well. I don't want to see City and Liverpool above Manchester United. What's the future for Brian Robson in football? Do you ever intend them managing again? For me, there's only, not really, I don't see me full-time as a manager and that. I've always said international football wouldn't put me off. You can't do Thailand again, though. No. What was that no, about? I go that. Oh, it was brilliant. Well, how did you end up getting the Thai job? Who offered you that? Well, it was Peter Reid really got me the job because Peter was Thai manager. And what happened is, Peter got an offer from Stoke City, who were in the Premiership at that time. Peter wanted to come back. He phoned me up and he went, Robbo, he says, look, he says, I really enjoy the job. Uh, the people who uh, are in charge are good to work with. He says... But the players must be shocking. No, what's, they're what's not a, What's a Thai goalkeeper like? They, they, i tell you what, the Thai goalkeeper was probably one of the best goalkeepers in Southeast Asia. Um, but... No, they were, they were very sort of respectful and would try to do everything you implemented on a training pitch. They would try to do and then take it into the game. So they listen that way. The way where the the sort of lack is uh, strength wise, they'll not do weights and all that sort of thing to try and build themselves. They up. refuse to do the, them, or their their diet, the diets. Well, they they go back to the club. Yeah. And you you give them a, a program to make them stronger, and they'll not do that program. Um, plus, as well, trying to get them to change the eating habits. No, they'll not do that. Neither. When you're gaffer in Thailand, you just show up to the session and go for a beer after. Do you care? Do you go to bed at night going, "How can we get better?" Do you care about Thailand as much as you do Burra? Uh, as a gaffer, or do you just go, "Ah, oh, what will be will be." Well, there's more intensity. There's more all. intensity. Uh, sort of like when you're like at, at Burra. But um, no, I mean, I got them, I, I think they were about 140th in the world, uh, and I got them into the 90s, and the Thais loved that. Um, and I'd like to think that if I hadn't got uh, cancer in the throat, I would have stayed there longer. What happened with the cancer in the throat? Look, I, I just thought I had a tickly cough, um, but it, it sort of... I was struggling to swallow after a week. Went across uh, to the hospital, which was just over the road from where we lived, uh, and went in to see a specialist. And he looked, at me, and he was straight up. He just said, "Sorry, sorry, Mister Robson." He says, "Well, that looks like a cancerous tumor to me." Went for the scan. Yeah, but that was on the Monday, and on the Thursday, he took the tumor out, and then I had the radiotherapy treatment. And nothing ever came back. No, I had four weeks of uh, radiotherapy, and thankfully it's been really good. Ten years? Yeah, 11 years since since I... Yeah. So, so it's done, the kind of remission aspect and all yeah. the official. Did you yeah. smoke? No. How did you get throat cancer? Now? I know, that the, that's what the doctor said straight away. He says, are you a smoker? And no, I've never smoked. Even when you were out in the session with the boys now back in the day, you never pick up a fag? No, never. Brian Robson... I appreciate you obviously coming on the Michael Anthony show. It's an honour to talk to a footballing legend like yourself. I also appreciate you doing the additional 10 minutes due to the fact that we are so unprofessional that half of the <laughs> fucking episode has been deleted. Uh, it's been a pleasure for me, for the listeners, and uh, you're a true footballing icon. Uh, Ryan Robson, thank you very much. MA show. Thank you. It's been you still don't know my tears of joy. 
No need to go, just take it slow. Podcast And have you heard the Michael Anthony show? It was a proper tribute to a really great player. He appreciated it, actually. 